You're listening to the weekly teaching podcast of Hope City Church in Milwaukee, Oregon. We hope that what you hear today inspires you to laugh, question, think, and grow. If you'd like to connect with us even further, hit us up online at hopecitypdx.com or shoot us a direct message on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. Good morning and welcome to Hope City. Uh, It's good to see all of you guys here on a holiday weekend. Man, thanks for showing up. Thanks for being here. Um, Man, it is so good, isn't it, to be reminded as we sing um, that even in the chaos of life, even in the chaos of our world, that Jesus, that the Lord reigns above it all. It's not just great to be reminded. It's great to speak it, even if we're singing it, even if we're off tune. It's just good, and you guys aren't. You guys sound amazing, but um, uh, those of you I could hear. Uh, But uh, it's just so good to be reminded that God is actually in control. When we feel out of control, which in a couple weeks we'll talk a little bit about that in our our next series, but um, when we feel out of control, that God is still over all of it. That God is still emphatically involved in every aspect of our life and in every aspect of our world. and man, sometimes, sometimes gathering on Sundays like this, that's just what we need. That's all we need is just to come together and be reminded, hey, God's still at work. God's still active. God's still living. God's still doing stuff. Uh, even when we feel hopeless, um, he provides hope. So thanks for being here and being that encouragement for one another. Um, and thanks for being here and even just receiving that encouragement today um, and singing that out and speaking the, speaking the truth. Also, welcome to, not just welcome to Hope City, welcome to our series called Circle Up. Uh, this is our second and final week, just a quick, uh, quick, short two-week series on circling up and on what it means to be in relationship with one another and how powerful it is to be in community, to move from rows on Sundays to circles on Mondays or Tuesdays or whenever else you might circle up. Um, it just sounds better when it rhymes. So, um, but, uh, and, and that's one thing that we talk a lot about at Hope City. We talk a lot about community, actually at all three of our campuses. And uh, we, we talk a lot about connection and being connected beyond just a Sunday morning. And if there's one thing that drives people crazy, it's when there's a great talk and a poor walk. So if we were to just talk about community, talk about how important it is and just leave it there and not do anything about that, then we would not be, we would be a really good community for a really bad product. Um, And we don't want to be that. So about once every quarter, we spend some time, we take some energy and some effort uh, to talk about community, to provide opportunities and tools for all of us to actually get into community and get into meaningful relationships. And so we're highlighting some of that uh, over the course of these two weeks. We're highlighting the power of moving from rows on Sundays, just sitting in rows of chairs to circles throughout the week. Um, And last week, we talked a little bit about about the power of uh, the power of uh, the personal invitation. Uh, a personal invitation to a great burrito is pretty powerful if the burrito's good, right? Or, or anything like that, a concert, a, an event, a, a place, or whatever it is, um, can be super powerful. But what kind of power is there when the invitation is actually an invitation to the presence and the person of Jesus? 
And we talked about that last week a little bit. We, we looked at the, the conversation between Philip and Nathaniel and how Philip sought out Nathaniel and invited him to come, not just hear something, but to meet somebody. Not just hear someone talk about somebody, but to actually meet the person of Jesus. Uh, and then we were challenged last week to, to, um, to, to do a prayer walk. Um, some of you walked out of here with a card and, and some prompts for the last six days to, to do a prayer walk maybe around your block. Um, and hopefully some of you did that at least once last week and just prayed for your neighbors, prayed for your community, prayed for the people that God has placed in your life, prayed for the people that you cannot escape, that you're kind of in forced proximity with. Maybe you chose to do that at your workplace. Maybe you walked around your, your building or walked around the cubicles in your office and prayed for the people that you're forced to work next to. Um, so last week we talked a little bit about, about the people that are kind of in our life intentionally, that we actually believe that we live where we live, we church where we church, we work where we work on purpose with a purpose, and that perhaps that purpose is for us to love and care and invest in the people God's placed around us so that we can make a personal invitation, not a pop-up ad invitation, but a personal invitation to come and meet with Jesus in a, a similar way that we have. We've experienced Jesus in an undeniable, unexplainable way, and for those of us who follow Jesus, we desire for those in our lives to experience him in an undeniable, unexplainable way for themselves. So that was kind of last week. Today, uh, last week was an invitation to, to, to the people around us. Today is an invitation for all of us. It's an invitation for all of us into this communal way of living, doing life together, living and sharing our world with the people around us. Um, and man, it is powerful. Community is powerful. The power of, of authentic relationships with other people is, is undeniable when you experience it. If you have that kind of uh, uh, authentic relationship with someone in your life, You've seen it do incredible things. You've seen it be powerful in the way you make decisions and in the way that you go about life. You've seen the results of that. And so um, today is an invitation into that kind of living if you're not already doing it already. And it's kind of this idea of what starts as an invitation to meet a person, the person of Jesus, ought to lead to a life lived with other people who are pursuing him as well. Because a shared life with one another is powerful, but a shared life with one another centered on following Jesus on a pursuit of him is even more powerful. And I don't, I don't know if you've heard this before, but the church, the church actually isn't a building. It's actually not a physical location. The church isn't a service on a Sunday morning for one hour and 15 minutes because the guy always goes long. It's not one moment. It's not a one time a week situation, circumstance, or environment. It's actually people. Church isn't something that we attend. It's a person that we are. It's a community that we are continually becoming. The church is a relational community of people who are following Jesus together. It can be really easy for us to follow Jesus kind of individually and, and, and kind of stay in our own lane. And we can look over at the lane next to us. We can wave and we can say, hey, you're doing great, but I'm just doing my own thing. But we're not called to be the church in different lanes or in different silos. 
if businesses that function in silos are unhealthy, how unhealthy is a church that functions in silos? We're meant to follow Jesus together, connected to one another, to be known by somebody and to know somebody else at an intimate, authentic, genuine, real, powerful level. It's an invitation into that that we're talking about today. Oftentimes we get focused on this moment on a Sunday or at a prayer meeting or at camp. All of those things are super powerful and incredible. But what begins as a moment, the introduction to Jesus, is brought to life when it's lived out in a shared community with other people who are in pursuit of him. And we absolutely wanna invite people to one-time events like that. We wanna see people make that claim about Jesus, that he's Lord, that he's Savior, that he's the Messiah, that he, we want to see people make the decision to follow Jesus in a moment. And we will continue to celebrate that. We will celebrate baptisms. We will celebrate the moments where people make those commitments. We'll remember those days. But we don't just want to invite people to a one-time event. We wanna invite people, our community, our neighborhood, our neighbors, our family, and our friends into Christ-centered community. But what does that actually look like? We can say, it's, it's really easy for me to get up here and say stuff and you don't say anything back and I can just say things and think it's clear. And it can even sound cute. It can even be a little bit inspirational. But what do I mean? What, is, what does it mean when we talk about Christ-centered community? What are we talking about when we're talking about intentional, meaningful, authentic relationships? Well, well, some of it I think is kind of made clear in our mission statement as a church. Our mission statement is this. We exist to inspire people to know, love, and follow Jesus. What's happening in community, hopefully, is we're being inspired to know Jesus better to love him deeper and to follow him closer. That's the hope, that's, the, that's much of the purpose of gathering together on Sundays and gathering together throughout the week in smaller circles is that we would be inspired, that we would inspire one another to know, love, and follow Jesus. This mission also includes those who are far from God, those who know nothing of God, those who have yet to be introduced to Jesus. That's kind of what we talked about last week. It includes people who don't know Jesus, an invitation for them to get to know him for the first time. Again. Philip and Nathaniel from last week. Philip is inviting him to come and meet Jesus for the first time. It's not just a story. It's a person that, is, that, that Nathaniel is meeting and engaging with and experiencing for himself. But we have this tendency, maybe for those of us who are Jesus followers in the room, to think that once we're in, that once we agree with who Jesus is, that once we make this statement that Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life, that once we're in, whatever that really means, that we're done. That once we're in, we've made it, we've arrived, we're there, everything's good. But the reality is, while that is, while, while so much has begun in that moment, none of us are done. Whether we've been following Jesus for five minutes or 50 years, all of us have room to know him better. God is that big. If he's not, then we're actually in trouble. He's not God, we are, because we figured him out. And I'll tell you what, if I'm God, you're all screwed. Because <laughs> I'm more about me more often than I am about anybody else. 
But God's so big that we can spend our entire life getting to know him better and still have more to know about him. We can spend our entire life learning how to love him more deeply and still there's more of Jesus to love than a lifetime of pursuit can fulfill. We can still follow him closer tomorrow than we're following him today. And so we're not done. We haven't arrived. We're all in process and we're all in need of this constant cycle of growth, of knowing him better, loving him deeper and following him closer. And we just believe that that kind of growth, that that kind of cycle of growth happens best. That kind of inspiration can only go so far if we stay in rows on Sundays and we fail to move to circles on Mondays. We just think that, man, our growth is stunted when we simply sit in a row and never move into circles, into intentional community. And we don't, we don't believe that because, man, we just are super smart and we came up with this and this is just, man, this is a brand new thing. Uh, we actually believe it because we've seen it happen. We've experienced it. We see it in scripture and we'll see some of that evidence today. Um, but we, we believe that it happens. We've seen it happen and we've experienced it. And I just want to start really quick uh, by sharing a little bit of how circles, how community, how small groups have impacted Brandy and I uh, throughout our marriage. Um, I can remember still very distinctly the first circle that Brandy and I engaged in. And I say engaged on purpose because this was a circle that we didn't just attend. We didn't just show up to, we didn't just check the box, but we actually engaged in the community of the people that were sitting in the room with us. And this was kind of a, we, we had just recently been engaged to be married. I was 21. She was 20. I confirmed this last service with her. Um, and, uh, we, we joined this, this small group at our church in the small town of Scappoose, where we're from. Um, and uh, the small group was meeting on Tuesday nights in my parents' house. Uh, so my parents were in the group. Uh, the closest person aged to us was actually my mom. And uh, everybody else in the group was probably 15 years older than my mom. Um, that tells you how old my dad is. Um, but... They, uh, this, this group was, we were, we were outliers to say the least. We were the, by far the youngest in the group. Uh, my own parents were in there and, and because we were so much less seasoned than the rest of the people in our group. And because my parents, my wife's in-laws were in the group or soon to be in-laws, we could have decided that the group was too old. We could have decided that the discomfort of being in a group with my own parents was too much. We could have still showed up and checked the box and held back, but Man, for whatever reason, I don't give any credit to us, but for whatever reason, we just leaned into this community of people. We leaned into these relationships. And uh, I can tell you that even, um, I just got an email from one of the ladies uh, that was in that group just a couple weeks ago. We're still in relationship. We're still connected um, and I could tell you all kinds of different things about the different kinds of relationships we had, the different kinds of advice, the, the specific experiences we had, but I, I hesitate to share that because that might set an expectation for the next group that you step into that, that isn't realistic for the group you're about to step into. Every group is unique. Every group is, is special. Every group comes with its own dynamic. But what I can say that I think is safe is that Brandy and I, in that group, we grew over time in our understanding of God. We knew him better. We grew more deeply in our love for Jesus. 
We learned new ways of navigating conversation with people and disagreeing with people. We prayed for people in our group. We prayed for people who were close to people in our group that we'd never met. And we were prayed for, and our group prayed for people that were close to us that they didn't even know. We got to eat some really good food. (laughs) We also had some weird food. We laughed. We cried. We smiled. We grimaced. (laughs) We were uncomfortable sometimes with other people's perspectives on certain things. And we found common ground with those same exact people on many other things. We were regularly reminded of our own humanity and we were constantly challenged and reminded of the humanity of other people in our world and in our group. And over the course of our 12 years in Scappoose as a married couple, um, we, we went to a lot of other groups over the course of that 12 years as well. And, and I can say just about everything that I just said about that first group about those other groups. And while every group was unique and every group has a, had its own makeup, man, every group was kind of like this another layer on top of the last of our growing, our knowledge, our understanding, our connection with our community and our connection with our church. And through those, some of the most unexpected people caused us to grow. They challenged us. And dare I say, they changed us to be more like Jesus. And that was in a community that I grew up in. I lived there for 24 years. I, I, I was known in this community. Brandy spent a lot of her time there. We were known in this community already. I, I attended groups with, with people that I went to high school with. Uh, I attended groups with parents of people I went to high school with. So like these people knew all the bad things about me and were just kind of starting to learn that there was anything good. Um, they, they, they knew me. They knew my brokenness. They knew all kinds of different things. They knew my story. But we don't live in that city anymore. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> We live in a new one and we've only been in this community really a little more than a year. And if, if I'm fully honest, like we still aren't fully known here. We aren't completely rooted here, pun intended. Our roots aren't here yet. And now enter our current home community. Our current home community started through Rooted um, last September. Um, and uh, if, I'm, if I'm honest, like, Hope City just needed some rooted leaders. And we're like, okay, we'll do it. Um, so we signed up. It was maybe five or six months of, of us actually being at Hope City. Um, we got a group. There were 12 of us in the group. Brandy and I had been at Hope City longer than anybody else <laughs> in that group, which was actually really fun. Uh, we said, hey, why, are you, why did you join rooted? They're like, to find community. It's a great place to start. And those relationships that have been built over the last just, just almost a year now, Um, have become kind of vital to our putting down roots here in this new community, in this church, in this city, in this area, this new kind of season of life. They've been the people that we've texted and said, hey, we could use prayer for this. Um, and, And I gotta say this too, like when we meet on Mondays, it's not like every Monday we leave and there's this monumental thing that happened and the spirit fell and like, it was incredible. I mean, sometimes I forget to like, it, time goes by and I forget to say, hey, any prayer requests or we forget to talk about the Bible. Don't tell anybody, okay? 
But we do life together. We, we eat food. We, we share our world with one another. And I can say that right now, in the midst of that community and that connection, Brandy and I are growing. We're growing in our understanding of God. We're growing in the depth of our love for Jesus. We're still learning new ways to navigate conversation and, and disagreement with people we love. We pray for others, some of them we know, some of them we don't, and we are prayed for by others. Like I said, we eat some really good food and all the food is good. We laugh and we cry together. We celebrate and we mourn together. And we're constantly reminded of our own humanity. And we're challenged to see the humanity of the other people God has placed in our life. Now, these are powerful moments. These are powerful things to be said about what we're experiencing when we're closely connected with others. And yet, we still often find ourselves avoiding getting into these kinds of environments or these kinds of intentional relationships. And, and maybe one of the reasons you haven't yet, maybe you're sitting in here and you're, you're considering or maybe you're hesitant. Man, some of the reasons we don't is because we're already so well known. We're already really comfortable. Like we, people know us, they know our name. We can walk in the store or walk in to the church or walk in and people know who we are. And so we feel like, man, I'm already really connected. We're pretty comfortable. Some of us, are, we avoid it because we're, we're actually afraid of being known more deeply than we currently are. We're, we're, a, we're, we're a little bit fearful. And giving into that fear will absolutely, it will certainly keep us from the growth that we often desire in our lives. And we'll see why here in just a minute. I, I, I truly believe that all of us need to find a place where we can safely engage in an intentional group of people for the purpose of growing and maturing. Even if we're afraid, even if we're hesitant. And notice that I said safe, not comfortable. Oftentimes we equate safety and comfort as the same thing. And relationships with people can be incredibly uncomfortable. Okay, I, I, I believe that relationships are simultaneously the greatest blessing and the hardest work of anything that we'll experience in our lives. Relationships are difficult. They can be incredibly uncomfortable. But maybe, maybe that's exactly what we need. See, we're designed to be in relationship. We're designed to do life together. The first place we see scripture reference this is actually at the very beginning in Genesis. In the creation account, when God creates Adam, he creates Adam and he looks at Adam standing there by himself. And it's the only thing in the creation account where God says, this is not good. It actually says, it's not good for man to be alone. So God creates for him a companion. Her name is Eve. This companion word means completion. There's something missing from Adam. He's alone. So it's not good for us to be alone. And we know this. I mean, just think about it. Laughing by yourself isn't as joyful as laughing with other people. And depending on where you are and what you're laughing at, it can actually be incredibly creepy. <laughs> laughing alone isn't as joyful. Crying alone isn't as healing. Wrestling with scripture and, and with God in the corner alone with your AirPods in is not always the best or most healthy way to wrestle with God 
and with scripture. And making decisions without the wisdom that comes from people who love Jesus and who love you, well, that means you're making decisions without the wisdom that comes from people who love Jesus and who love you. And in those moments when you need a tribe, a a group of people to rally around you in a time of need, and you don't have one, it's almost impossible to find. Building community when we're in need of it is almost impossible to do. When you need it most, it's the hardest to find if you don't already have it. And yet community, this component of relationship and togetherness is vital, not only to our walk with Jesus, but even if you're not sure where you're at with Jesus today, it's vital for all of us to be connected to people in a meaningful way. And scripture does highlight this over and over and over again. But I wanna just take us to one account that really highlights it really specifically. And this account is in the book of Hebrews, which actually isn't a book, it's actually a letter. Um, And while we don't know we don't, we're not sure who wrote it. There's lots of conversation about who it could be. We, don't, we can't confirm who the author is. The book of Hebrews, this letter that's written is a beautiful description of what a life lived in light of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection ought to look like. And in chapter 10, in verse 23, the author says this. They say, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we we profess for he who promised is faithful. I wanna point out hold, this word hold, or in some translations, it'll say cling. This assumes a natural tendency for us to let go. The author says, let us hold unswervingly, which kind of assumes this tendency for us to swerve through life, to let go and to kind of lose control and swerve around to get the speed wobbles for any of you who have skated before. It's this, and, and, and it's to cling to this hope that we profess. And the hope that we profess is in reflection of God's promises and in reflection of his faithfulness to fulfill them. And the author challenges us, challenges us to hold on and to avoid swerving in this way in verse 24. He says, let us consider how we may, what? Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. What does spurring one another on look like? Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was in a, a pastor's prayer meeting on Wednesdays that right now is being hosted at Hope City. It's, it's multiple pastors from the area and we get together on Wednesdays and pray. Um, we start with a devotion and, and there's a pastor um, who was giving the devotion that morning and, and he kind of challenged us to think differently, to, to, to consider our leadership, to consider what we're doing in the church uh, in a in, and I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't like the challenge. I didn't like that he was challenging my, how does he know? What, 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 who's this guy? That was my initial reaction to like point the finger back at him and go, well, how are you doing? It was uncomfortable for me to have my, um, my wisdom or my talent or my skill or whatever. Or, it was uncomfortable for me to have that challenged. But what he was doing in that moment is he was spurring us on toward love and toward good deeds. This is often what spurring feels like or looks like. Spurs for a horse are not a horse's most comfortable tool, right? It hurts right about here. 
And sometimes that's exactly what we need to be reminded of who God has called us to be and what God has called us to do. We're to be spurred on towards love and good deeds. Uh, there's also times in our world where uh, we're not in need of spurring to change direction. We're in need of encouragement to continue in the direction we're going. And the author doesn't leave that part out. Look at this next verse. They continue. It says, not giving up meeting together, not alone, but together, as some of you are in the habit of doing. So some people were not meeting together, but encouraging one another spurring one another on and encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day, the day of the Lord approaching. Spur one another on and encourage one another. Spurring kind of moves what we know in our heads to our hearts and out through our hands. It, it, it challenges us to know, to love, and to follow Jesus better. Encouraging is a reminder that where you're headed, you're already going towards Jesus. Don't lose faith. Don't lose hope. And the author says, meet together. Meet together daily, regularly, consistently, and intentionally. And I would argue that Sunday mornings sitting in a row just isn't enough. It's not enough. It's too easy for us to come in and sit in a row and avoid changing anything we do, to avoid moving what we know from our head to our heart and to our hands. It's too easy for us to sneak in here and miss the spurring on and the encouragement that we need in order to hold unswervingly to the hope we have and the promises and the faithfulness, not of each other, not of ourselves, but the promises and the faithfulness of God. We can easily fill our heads with knowledge and completely fail to love differently or live differently in light of it. And we have, a, we have kind of this tendency to, to view the gospel as a momentary thing. It's like this momentary gospel thinking. We think that if we've accepted Jesus as the son of God who died on the cross in our place, that he died to pay the penalty of our sins and he rose again on the third day to signal freedom from sin and death for all who believe, which is powerful Guys, that's, that's hopeful. That's why we celebrate on Sundays through song and through hanging out and spending time together. That's encouraging. But we often think that if we just agree with that, then we've made it. Again, that we've arrived. And if that's what we believe, then our mission to, to inspire people to know, love, and follow Jesus is something for everyone out there. It's a mission that we're called to accomplish in our neighborhoods and in our offices and in our families alone. And while that's very true, this verse, along with many others, is not relevant. But I would argue that if we exist to inspire others in these things, we ought to be in the process of being inspired in these things ourselves. And guys, what better way to inspire others than to invite them into the process with us, not because of us, not because we're so awesome, not because we have it figured out, but because we have met Jesus who does have it figured out, because we're in pursuit of the one and only perfect God. Life, life is best, best lived 
within a circle of people who love Jesus and who love you. Life is best lived in a circle of people who love Jesus and who love you. Maybe you're here today and you were invited by somebody. Maybe it was today, maybe it was several weeks ago. Maybe you're newer to Hope City and odds are somebody invited you to show up. And I would be willing to bet that that person who invited you to show up is someone who's experienced Jesus undeniably and loves you enough to extend an invitation for you to experience him undeniably for yourself. The person who invited you, they love Jesus. And by demonstration of their invitation, they love you too. And they didn't invite you because you were coming to the best presentation in the world. Trust me, you can find all kinds of phenomenal presenters online, way more skilled than me, way more creative, way more knowledgeable of scripture, way more knowledgeable of all the things going on in the world. They, they, they can consume more content than I can, but, but here's, here's the deal. Great content, great presentation isn't transformational. It's just not. It can be momentarily powerful. Uh, don't get me wrong. It can be powerful when you engage with powerful content, with great presentation. And presentation matters and content matters. Trust me, bad content with great presentation is dangerous. It's kind of like that ice cream slide that we just threw up. It's just ice cream sandwiches, okay? <laughs> That's all it is. If great content if great presentation was transformational, and we live in a world right now where more content is available than ever before and is increasing at a speed we can't even keep up with, then our world would be more transformed than it currently is. Here's my point. Great presentation and great content can never replace our deep need for authentic, healthy community with other people. See, we can know all kinds of things about God and about our world. But if that knowing doesn't move from our heads to our hearts and from our hearts to our hands, what good is knowing it in the first place? Knowing is only the beginning. And here's what I think we all understand about relationships. The uncomfortable part of being known by somebody else is that we're often forced to act on what we know. We're often, when we're in community, forced to take what we know in our heads, to believe it and own it in our hearts, and to allow it to overflow into what we do with our hands. In community, we're accountable to grow based on what we know. So where do we go from here? What does it look like for us to move forward? Well, first, I would suggest strongly that we build community before we need community. This is kind of that age old argument of the urgent versus the important. It is important to be connected to people. I believe it is imperatively important to be connected to people long before connection becomes urgent. Because by the time our need for community becomes urgent, it's too late to build it if we failed to build it when it was important. And spoiler alert, it's always important. And we saw this in the pandemic. We saw this when the pandemic hit. We saw people who had this revelation of how isolated they were living rush to build community as fast as possible. 
And many who didn't find ways to urgently build that kind of support and relationship ended up sinking deeper into isolation and loneliness. And those who had built community and connection pre-COVID, who made it important before it became urgent, I can't say that they didn't feel the pandemic, but I would be willing to bet that they experienced it radically differently. And even still, those who rushed to build it quickly probably had a difficult time doing so. Because the truth is, microwaved relationships will not withstand the troubles of this world. Microwaved relationships won't withstand the troubles of this world. Relationships take time. And whether it's our family, our spouse, our kids, our church community, if we try to microwave relationships, the troubles of this world will overwhelm them. That includes relationships with one another. That includes our relationship with Jesus. The best relationships are built by constant deposits over long periods of time. That means meeting with my small group on Mondays, even when I don't feel like it, because it's consistent deposits over long periods of time that brings a return on our investment in the people around us. Now, some of you have not neglected meeting together regularly for the purpose of spurring one another on and encouraging one another toward love and good deeds. But some of us have neglected it. We've avoided it. We haven't gotten into a community. We haven't gotten into a circle. Maybe you just moved to town and you're in the process of doing that. Maybe you've been sitting in a row here at Hope City for several weeks or even for several months and you have yet to move into this circle. And maybe you're afraid. Maybe you're afraid of being rejected. Maybe you're afraid that if you're known more fully that you will be accepted less. Maybe you're afraid that if you don't agree with everything, that you'll be pushed away. And I don't blame you for having that fear. But I do wanna challenge you. If you never take the risk required to grow, you'll stay right where you are. So let me invite you to consider what it might look like for you to move from a row and start to circle up with other people and start to take the risk that's required for community to actually happen, for connection to actually happen. And we have uh, quite a few uh, different options here at Hope City for ways that you can get connected. Um, I'll just throw a few of them up here on the screen. And you guys have heard about these if you've been here for any amount of time. You've heard a lot about Rooted. This is a 10-week group where we learn and practice essential rhythms of, of faith and of connecting with God and with each other. Um, there's varying degrees of different commitments. This one's 10 weeks. This one costs a little bit of money. Um, and that covers um, a meal. That covers some material and some other uh, things that go along with Rooted. Um, there is child care that's available. And I want to make this really clear. While there's a cost to this to cover some of the cost and expenses associated with it. We never want cost to keep someone from connecting. We have scholarships. If you can't afford it, don't be ashamed. Let us know so that we can help you and remove that barrier. 
Um, we've got labs. Um, you can, all this information is on those handouts that are on a seat next to you. We've got labs. Uh, these are, these are smaller groups. They're focused studies done in small groups of people, uh, growing in knowledge and kind of a, a, a great place to kind of dip your toe into community. If, if you're really just like, man, I don't know if I even want to do this. This could be a great option for you. We've also got men's and women's community. Again, all the dates, all the times are on the handout at the next steps table. These are groups of men or women who are connecting and and being intentional. They're growing in their knowledge, their love, and their following of Jesus. These are all options. And you can get connected to any one of these at our next steps table on your way out. You can get connected on our website. You can get connected by talking to one of us. We can help you walk through the online piece. Sign up if you need. You can do it at home. Some of you, I didn't see any phones out. Um, so I don't know if I should be like excited about that or not, but um, you, can, you can sign up for that anywhere. And, and before we go, before I just wrap up, I just want you to hear my heart because it can feel like a commercial. <laughs> It can feel like, man, we just want to make sure that people are in groups. We just want to, we want to count and see how many of you are. It's not any of that. We do this because we believe that this is the best way to navigate life in a crazy world filled with brokenness, filled with questions, filled with doubt, filled with confusion, filled with actual hurt and actual pain. And to do that on your own isn't fair because we were created to go through all of it together. We actually believe that when we do life together, life is better. This isn't for the church staff or for a team to brag about. These are the ways that we found our best to facilitate opportunities and to provide tools for community life to actually take place. And just for a second before we close, imagine what it would be like if we were more deeply connected than a Sunday morning allowed? Like what would it actually be like if we knew each other? What would it actually be like if you had a need and you could express it to someone you knew? What would it actually be like if you had an abundance of something and you wanted to meet a need and you actually knew the needs of the people that you go to church with, even if it were just 10? Guys, I have a feeling that more people are gonna come through these doors this fall and over the course of the next year. And if we don't get connected relationally, this will just be a Sunday morning event. And I don't want that. I want us to be connected, to be a family, to be loving, to be caring for one another. Because life happens best within a circle of people who love Jesus and love you. Hope and healing happens best in a circle. Life change happens best in the context of community. Loss and grief are experienced in the most healthy ways when we go through them together. Growth happens best in circles. The Bible is read best in a circle of people who can converse and wrestle with scripture together. So may we not neglect meeting together spurring one another on toward love and good deeds. And may we not neglect encouraging one another daily. And may we do it by intentionally getting into circles together. May we move from rows 
to circles so that we can be known and we can know someone else. Let me pray. God, thank you for relationship. God, thank you that you are not a God who just winds up the universe, steps away and watches stuff happen. But God, that you're actually intricately involved in the details of our life, the details of our job, the details of our family, the details of our emotions and our heart, our fears, our concerns. God, that you're personal in the way that you relate to each and every one of us. And God, thank you for the gift of being able to connect relationally as people. God, being able to feel feelings for others, being able to recognize and see what others are experiencing. And God, thank you for the opportunity to respond to those things. God, thank you for the ability to create life and to connect our lives with one another in meaningful, authentic, and powerful ways. God, I pray that we would have the boldness and the courage that's required for us to step into a circle, to step out of a row, to be known, and to take the time and energy that's required to know others. God, that we would do it as a response to how you've come to us in the same way. You're interested in us. You've invested in us. And God, now you're poor and, and, and you poured your life out for us. So God, may we respond and do the same for one another out of our love for you. In Jesus' name.